Hello and thank you for tuning into the Playgrounder. Uh, very special episode, first official episode, I guess. I mean, last one was kind of just an intro, but we got the first episode here today. Of course, we got Matt joining me. Matt, how you doing? I'm doing good. I could be better, but we'll we'll discuss that. Um, Zach, give us a rundown of what we're going over today. Yeah, we got a fun show today. We're gonna we're gonna tell obviously, you know, Matt's little story. He's got a little. I had a little incident this week. Uh, we'll go into the second bubble, obviously the Delete 8. I don't know who coined that term or who came up with it, but I think it's genius. Uh, you know, talk about Brooklyn Nets, we're going to talk about the player meals. We got a whole bunch of stuff coming, so stay tuned, and uh, thank you. Let's start off the show with a quick story for everybody, just to show that regular people are athletes too, okay? Um, so I am, you know, 5'11", 6 feet tall, and 28 years old, and I, you know, I think I still have it, like in terms of my uh, athleticism. Um, I am not someone who will dunk on you in a game. Can't, like, I can't do it. Like, I can't palm the ball from dribbling it. Do you know what I mean? You gotta I do like that thing where you just hold it and run it up to the net, like you can't like dribble into it. Yeah, ex- exactly. Unless I'm having a really good day, um, but like you know, you see some players that just grab the ball like it's a grapefruit. Like no, like I, like I can palm a basketball, but I need to be at a standstill, then I get a good grip. I feel that, yeah. So what I've started doing is throwing like self lobs, right? So like throw the ball. Bounces off the ground, bounces in front of the rim, and then I'll run up, grab it with two hands, one hand, whatever. Um, so less than a week ago, I'm at like my favorite park, and um, and so there's you know two hoops. I'm on one end, and on the other end is probably like between ten to fifteen kids that do like a little camp with this guy who just kind of it's it's actually really cool. Like he helps out a bunch of kids learn to play the game, and. Um, so I look like an idiot because I'm all by myself and I throw this lob and the first one, like I, it wasn't a good throw. Right. So I go back, try it again, again, not a good throw. And in my head, I'm like, I don't know, man, there's like a, like I saw a slippery spot, um, like a little bit of sand or like dirt. And I was like, all right, if I don't get it on this try, like it's just not worth it. I'll just go back to like shooting around. So I throw a lob and it's a good one. It's right in front of the rim. And I'm like, okay, now's my chance. Like I'm going to dunk in front of these little kids and they're going to get excited. And I grab the ball, go up. Um, the ball like rims out, but my hands grab on the rim and I don't know what happened, but they just slipped off. And that like hasn't happened to me before. So I was like free falling face first towards the pavement and it was like it was happening in slow motion and i'm like oh you got to be kidding me so i'm just crashing now and just instinctively put my arms out you know how like you oh brace for a fall oh my gosh yeah <laughs> and so the exact opposite my, thing you should do but everyone's first reaction exactly so like you know my i i remember just the way i was facing i was like looking at my left arm and i just basically saw it like essentially dislocate and i at first i was like all right my left arm is just gone like you it's saw done. it i mean it like the elbow like second, the elbow socket like popped up into like 
the front of the yes. arm like that. Oh so my gosh. I, oh. I saw my elbow. Um, I saw my elbow do things an elbow shouldn't do. That's disgusting. My right arm. Now, so what's funny is my right arm was screwed up as well. Um, so I'm like, I don't even know what I'm going to do. So I'm, I, I try and play it off as cool as I can. And fortunately, like only a couple people saw me and I, and one of them looked at me and I was like, Oh, I'm good. And like somehow grabbed my bag, like my, like my, my gym bag walked over to my car and like, you know, you have all the adrenaline going. So I just kind of like found a way to grab my phone and I'm like punching in my mom's, you know, finding her phone number, um, call my mom up. And I'm like, listen, you got to pick me up at the park. You know, I think we got to go to the hospital. I screwed up my arms. And, uh, and so she drove down there. Of course, they were doing like road work. So she had to take this detour. It's like a two minute drive from my house, but it took her like 15 minutes. How much pain um, were you in just waiting there? It hurts so bad. I feel like that's like, the I, worst part. Like when it happens, like obviously like the initial break hurts, but you have like adrenaline because typically you're doing something. But then, like, right. just the waiting point, whether you're waiting in, like, the hospital, like, lobby room or waiting for the drive there, like, that's the worst part about any sort of injury. Dude, it's it's the worst because when you first do the break, you have, you have adrenaline just from knowing something wrong happened. Yeah. Right? Um, so I'm just, like, pacing back and forth. And my mom shows up. I got in her car and just couldn't do it. Like, it just – I need, like – the way I was sitting was awful for me. <laughs> like, so she's like, listen, we're going to call an ambulance. I was like, all right, fine. Uh, we get an ambulance and I'm on a stretcher. They jacked me up full of like, like, uh, fentanyl, Fent like it's whatever that's in chloroform. Essentially that dude, like <laughs> it's, it's one of the dangers of heroin today is they mix it with like fentanyl. You but if heroin. you have, Yes. It, or meth, I forget what it is. But either way, if you have just fentanyl in like a dose, it's like a painkiller. So this dude jacks me up with fentanyl, and I go to the hospital, take x-rays, I take a CAT scan. Long story short, my right arm has a, a broken bone, but like it doesn't really hurt. I just can't move my arm a certain way. Mm -hmm. um, and went to the doctor the other day. He said, listen, in seven to ten days, take your cast off. I want you moving your arm around as much as you can. So it, it's honestly not that bad, but... My left arm, which I thought I screwed up the most, I have like some chipped bones and they're like, listen, we're not going to put a brace on it. We don't want to immobilize that because my biggest fear was having both my arms in casts and like going throughout my day. Oh, like, you couldn't do anything. Well, who do you designate as like, like, hey, listen, man, I got to take a shower. Like you got to like sponge me down. Like, yeah, can like, you wash me? Exactly. Can like, you I get the, the back, soap man. in between my cheeks? Exactly. So, like, my first thought was, which one of my friends do I designate? Like, like, I, my, love like my wife I love how you say designate as if you just have full choice of like, yeah, I'm yes. choosing. You're, it's it's going to be you. Like, I don't know how I came to this conclusion, but it's you. You're you're my wiper. And I I went through like a mental list of my friends, I thought of my mom, I was like, I don't know, man, like there's a case to be made for like for your mom, just because like she, you know, she raised you, like she's seen you naked before, like it's your mom. But then I was like, I don't like, there's a huge difference between your mom seeing you naked as a baby and like as an adult. Um, so <laughs> didn't want that. But fortunately 
my left arm, I just like, I have to ice it a ton and like I can get around just enough to where I did not have to ask anyone to help me out. Yeah, I think I would have to go with one of my parents probably. I don't know. That's a, that's a good question though. So if yeah. you have an answer of, of who you would choose to shower you as an adult, uh, just tweet at us and let us know and we'll make sure to retweet it and hashtag naked shower wash. I can't think of a hashtag. We'll, <laughs> we'll think of a good hashtag. But that's an excellent question. I might put like a, I might put a Twitter poll out there. Like, imagine you have no arms. Like, have you seen the movie Grown Ups? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, where the guy is like literally head or like neck to toe and cast. That dude, I that was my biggest fear. I thought I was gonna be Steve Buscemi from Grown Ups. Oh. Um, so I'll tweet that out. I'll say, listen, imagine you can't use both your arms. Like, who do you want to have to shower you? Like your parents, sibling, friends significant other now that that'll be the most popular answer is significant other uh i mean i don't have one of those so that's off the table for me but so uh, here's here's what i thought of because i am dating a girl now come on here's what i thought of uh if you ask your significant other to be your helper like your nurse you're right then there committing to like a promise ring in a future vacation like that that is such a commitment you can't you can't date someone and then or be dating someone ask them to be your nurse and then like let's say like a month later it doesn't work out yeah she's like like, sorry like i'm sick of wiping your ass like what do you do like it's just i i didn't want to throw that variable into what is a young fun relationship um but i'm excited for the responses We'll, we'll tweet that out there i'm excited to see what happens yeah, so I didn't know, like, any of this happened. All you did was literally text me and say, yeah, so I broke my arm. And I didn't know that <laughs> you got put on a stretcher, you got driven to the hospital, like, your elbow dislocated, you did it in front of a bunch of kids, you went through a whole mental thought process of who was going to have to shower you. Like, all I heard was you broke your arm. So this this story became, like, ten times better for me, and it was really just ten times worse for you. Yeah, this... Um, this was a, a healing moment <laughs> for me emotionally talking about my problem letting everyone hear but we should be good i should be back to normal like totally back to normal within three to four weeks which is actually like a pretty quick timetable so it could have been much worse but you can wash yourself and you i can wa- that's correct and, and i have been washing myself for anyone asking awesome well um with that out of the way i guess we can move to some nba the, uh, the NBA recently announced the second bubble. Uh, it was announced by Adrian Wojnarowski, who was recently suspended. We can talk about that, too. How do you feel about Woj getting suspended from ESPN? How do I feel about it? You know, I think this. I think if ESPN chose not to suspend him, everything would have been fine. Like, what, what really was the consequence? Do you know what I mean? Like, were there some you know, uh, conservative watchers of ESPN who were like, that's it. That's the last straw. I can't believe Woj tweeted this at this or emailed this at this Republican Senator. I'm not watching ESPN anymore. Like, no, like I think sometimes the, uh, major corporations should just ignore it. I think, I think they basically, I think they back him and they like agree with this kind of thing. It's just, they have to keep a consistent outlook. So if someone, one of their employees did something like that, and they truly did disagree, they would punish him, but then they could come back and be like, well, why didn't you punish Woj when he did that exact same thing? Like, 
So I think I think it's more just that, like they have to stay consistent with, I guess, punishments and stuff and all that. So whether they agree or disagree with the person, I don't. I can't say I know a ton about it. I just know he replied with a big F you, just a total like a total boss move. Like I'm gonna start doing that when people text me like I have something I don't want to hear. Just F you, leave it and expose my email for everyone to see. Yeah, and then and then live with the live with the consequences. Um, but it's <laughs> and then get fired. Right. Um, but it is funny, like ESPN has, this just adds to a ESPN's kind of checkered history of embracing anything that has to do with politics or like social justice issues or social, social issues. So I don't know. It's funny. It's ESPN being ESPN to me. It, it was kind of funny when it first came out. I, I, I laughed pretty hard at it, even though maybe like it, it obviously was like, I don't want to say irrational, but just like a really just like harsh response. But I don't know. I kind of laughed at it. Straight it to the point, though. It is. It is. Uh, but yeah, anyway, he announced a second bubble. I think this was a couple weeks ago. Uh, I I don't know about you. I feel like I haven't heard any details on this other than the fact that the eight teams who are going there, they don't know if it's going to be training camps. They're going to play a few games. I don't know if there's going to be a tournament. I, I mean, I, get, I, I guess I know why this is happening. I don't know why it has to happen, why teams can't just have training camps within their own facilities and stay safe, stay home. But I don't know. What, do you, what are you thinking of the second bubble? This is weird to me. Um, I'm not sure. So there obviously is an incentive for teams to want to get better, right? But if this doesn't impact, so it's not going to impact the standings at all, right? No, I think this is literally just like a training camp for them and a chance for them to not have to take like eight months off of playing, which in like that does make sense. So that part makes sense to me. Um, what I would do, though... So I wouldn't scrimmage against other teams. You know, let's say you were a team. Um, I don't know. It's a good example. Let's say you were like the Hawks, right? What I would do is I'd find your who's their G League affiliate. Do you know? I don't know G League teams. No, well, I know if, a few. Regardless, if if you're part of these eight teams, you know, find your G League affiliate, bring up those players, make your own little bubble somewhere in some college campus or your own practice facilities so you can monitor it better um you it'll be much more cost effective and just like br- you know bring up the g league players to see what you have and they're obviously not going to be as talented as the other teams you're going to be scrimmaging against but it's not like it's going to be terrible basketball like you're still going to be practicing getting better and you're going to get a chance to see what your own younger g league prospects can do against nba level competition so like it just it didn't really make much sense to me. Like I, I understand the reason of why they're doing it, but it, it doesn't match up with like the risk, right? And it's such a production to do this. So like if you can find a way to do this on a safer, healthier, smaller scale, and still get some benefit of working out your prospects, like that's the route I would take. So if the G League wants to like, or I'm sorry, if if any of those teams want to like hire me and you as consultants, like that was a pretty good sales pitch. I think a lot of them would want to, but. Yeah, I mean, like like you said, like it takes so, it's so much to put something like this on where you got eight teams, you got to get all their the coaching staffs and everything, you got to put them in a safe location, find safe gyms, keep them away from everyone. Like, And at the point to just play these games that are going to be televised, who knows, maybe if they are. I will say, though, after these four months, I would do anything to watch a Cavs versus Knicks game. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just, I don't know the... I know the purpose of it. When I say I don't know the purpose of it, obviously I know that it's to keep these guys from not having like an eight-month hiatus. But I think, like you said, you could have 
your own little training camp in your own gyms, smaller scale, keep everyone at home, keep them safe, not force them to all be within this one, you know, giant, you know, safety bubble together. I just, I don't, I don't overly see the point in it. Um, when you take into account the risk and the cost and everything, like you said. Yeah, we're on the same page with this one for sure. Yeah. It's also just like, it's not that interesting because everything that's going to be happening in this bubble, like it's going to be so much fun between the eight games and how competitive it is. And you have play in games and you have the playoffs and no one's going to be paying any attention to the second bubble unless you're a big fan of one of those teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the teams going into the bubble though, the Brooklyn Nets essentially have a brand new team. I mean, this really isn't the Brooklyn Nets anymore. They, they don't have Kyrie, Katie, Dinwiddie, DeAndre Jordan. Who else am I missing? Is Torian Prince isn't coming? Nope. Anyone else? Is that, I feel like there's one or two more. Those are the main ones. There might be one more. I don't know. I, I could search it up, but... And it, I mean, I, I think they, they just kind of came to the conclusion. They're like, look, we're not going to be the best team here. We may even be the worst team here now with all these players missing. Let's right. just get the all-Twitter workout team, and let's be entertaining, and let's just be fun. So they signed Michael Beasley and Jamal Crawford, and then they signed Dante Hall for, you know, mm-hmm. for whatever that worth. But I mean, did the Brooklyn Nets just become like must-watch for you? No. Uh, <laughs> I mean, listen, I will watch them, but me, me personally, um, I think today NBA executives are smarter than ever, and I'm not saying that they're all smart and good at their jobs, um, but I think they're much better than the the GMs of of past times and. There's a reason Jamal Crawford has been out of the league. Um, there's a reason Michael Beasley, although you can find quotes from players uh, who, who are like his peers and kind of were in the same class as him who said Michael Beasley was one of the, one of the most like purest scorers they've ever seen. But like in spite of that, there's a reason he's out of the league. Um, I get what the Nets are doing. I personally, you know, they're going to need to find like one or two diamonds in the rough on a cheap contract who can actually contribute so like like the Dante hall signing i thought that was great right like let's see if this kid can play but th- realistically there's not going to be a world in which jamal crawford and or michael beasley are helping out the brooklyn nets in their title quest next year so like why not try and get a younger player like you know i don't know if shane larkin was available I think I think, he, I think he was one of the guys saying that he was trying to get back on an nba roster where he can play consistent minutes He's good, right? So he, he had a tough start to his NBA career, but right before he went overseas, he was pretty good on the Celtics as like one of, uh, one of their guards there. Went overseas, crushed it, and now he's like one of the most coveted players to come back. I mean, here's a guy who can actually help them next year and isn't kind of what I see this as, you know, it's not really like a publicity stunt. So it's interesting. Um, yeah. What, what do you think? In my opinion, they had... one of two thought process coming into this they thought as i said before um look we're not going to be good so we might as well get some players that people are going to watch because people have been clamoring for uh jamal Crawford to get on a team everyone loves michael beasley just because how crazy he is so they thought let's just get some viewers let's be entertaining or they looked at it and they're like look there's no fans this is basically just a pickup game so why don't we just get assemble a team of the best pickup players and maybe it'll work in the bubble but. Yeah, kind of like a kind of <laughs> like just throwing a bunch of crazy ingredients together. It's it's kind of like you know, you say you, you come back to your house late at night and you're like, there's nothing really in the fridge that makes sense together. But like, what if we just 
or like they don't make sense separately but what if i just throw stuff together like and see if it works what if i just um, throw this mushroom soup on this pizza and roll it up with some mac and cheese in it yes yeah like i had a i had a college roommate who put hot sauce on tuna and we all knew that that did not taste good but he kind of like grimaced and like faked it that it tastes good right eat, it's kind of like eat. the same concept so we'll see we'll see what happens but i don't know like am i gonna be surprised if michael beasley has a game where he gets like 27 points and seven rebounds and people are like yo beasley's good or like if jamal crawford comes back takes 25 shots and scores like 38 points people are like twitter is gonna go crazy there's gonna be a twitter explosion which will be cool but it's also gonna be annoying when i'm like I don't know, man. These guys can't really play defense and don't really play the modern game well, but it is what it is. It'll be fun. There are two completely opposite camps on Jamal Crawford. There's the mm. people who are like, how's he not on the team? He dropped 51 in his last game. Like, this guy could literally still be sixth man of the year. And then there's people on the opposite end of the spectrum who are like, who are like, yeah, he, like he scores, he scores, he gives it all up on defense. All he is is a negative. Like, he's the worst player. And I'm like, I, I feel like I just, I'm somewhere in the middle. Like, Yes, he probably is still better than some of the guys who are in the league, but at the same point, like teams are going to rather sign, as you said, a young guy who they can try to develop and they can try to grow and see if they have something there, rather than just him, you know, maybe being your eighth or ninth man, maybe kind of barely playing as an older guy. You'd rather just get a young guy in there. So, like, I don't think he's the greatest player and he's going to drop 51 every game and he could be sixth man of the year. But I also don't think if he was on a team, he would be absolutely useless. It's just the fact that if you have that extra roster spot, just use it on a young guy. And that's why he's not in the league to me. Right. And what's interesting is, like, I actually thought, you know, I don't think he should be, I don't know. I think he'll be a net negative, ultimately. Um, But I thought there were a couple teams that could have at least taken a chance on him. And I thought, like, the Lakers could have been one of those teams, even if they never played him. But just to at least like see if it could work out because when you look at a team like Los Angeles, they're not in the business of finding young players and see if they have a little something and they might take a year or two to develop. Like they could have at least rolled the dice and known right away, okay, this guy can give us like twelve to fifteen minutes in a in a playoff game, um, or he won't. But at least they would have known. And like they're not looking for young guys, so it just it didn't make sense. The whole thing didn't make sense why he went to Brooklyn. But I don't know, man. At the end of the day, I like watching ballers ball. Right. Like I like watching guys do fun stuff. He, he's flashy cool. and fun for sure. That's one thing he is. Absolutely. So it's not like it's going to be a waste. It's just an interesting decision to say the least. No, and I'm totally with you. Like I think he will be a net negative just because you know he's older. He's not great on defense, right. and who knows how good his offensive game will be from being off all year. But like all like all I was saying was like if you went through the 15th man on every roster this mm. year alone, like Jamal Crawford would probably be better than all of them or at least the right. majority of them. It's just, once again, use it on a young guy. Use it on a two-way guy. Either way, Brooklyn, maybe the eighth seed. Um, they probably will be. I mean, I don't know. Like, Washington, I, I can't see them winning enough games to get in the play-in game. But I feel like if they managed to and we had to watch one or two play-in games between Washington and Brooklyn, it, we might as well just watch the Delete 8 bubble because it's going to be really bad when you look at those teams without Beal and Bertans. Then you look at Brooklyn without everyone else. Uh, they're going to be boring, and Milwaukee honestly is not going to have to play a meaningful game till the second round because they've literally secured the one seed. Like 
I know they mathematically haven't, but they basically have. They're like, what, six right. six games up? Like, all they need to do is win two. And then playing right. either Brooklyn or Washington around one. Like, I, I, at this point, can we just, like, take the team who finishes ninth in the West and put them eighth in the East? Like, I just, can we just do that instead? Do it. I mean, there's part of me that likes the rivalries. Um, but you know what? It would make a better product. Like, yeah. I honestly, I would much rather, much rather watch the Phoenix Suns play. Um, especially now, like, you know, so they, I thought they were actually, like, a decent basketball team before Aiton had to, had to miss his games. Um, but it would be competitive. Like, that's, they have some competitive pieces. I'd much rather watch them play than watch, like, and, like, I hate saying this because I love Shabazz Napier, but, like, rather than watch Shabazz Napier run pick and roll with, like, Thomas Bryant. You know what I mean? Like, let, let me let me get some Devin Booker and Ricky Rubio and DeAndre Ayton. Yeah, so I mean, like, I get I get the rivalry argument that people make, but at the same time, I I'm like totally just anti that argument. Like, I don't get it. Like, we have rivalries in opposite conferences too. Like, imagine the Lakers and the Celtics True. meet up in the playoffs. You know, uh, True. rivalries can form even. Like, what about like Atlanta Dallas three years down the road? We have Luca and Trey Young going against each other in the playoffs. Like, rivals rivalries will form. And there already are rivalries if you cross conferences in. The biggest kind of, you know, thing to me with playing, you know, just top 16 playoffs is you have to switch the season around because you can't have, mm-hmm. you know, Milwaukee just running through the East and getting the one seed. You have to find a way for them to evenly play teams in the West and teams in the East. And it won't just make for more plane travel within playoff series, which is obviously another thing, but it'll make for a lot more travel within the regular season because, Teams out east and teams out west are going to have to be going, you know, cross conferences a lot more often than not because you have to even the playing field as far as regular season if you're going to rank one through sixteen at the end. Yeah, I think the real argument against it is probably just that it's like a logistics mm-hmm. standpoint. Um, I don't know. I'll, I would be cool with it either way. Right. But it's it's yeah, also think... the fact that the eastern owners will never will never vouch for that. Like, why why would Brooklyn or Orlando or Washington or whoever would be like, yeah, let's go one through 16 and just realize mm-hmm. that it's going to make their chances to get into the playoffs in the near future, just like 30 times harder because the West yeah, is course, literally yeah. loaded. Like no, next, I agree. next year, I think all 15 teams goal will be to make the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like there's a chance that Dame Lillard, like a team with Dame Lillard and CJ McCollum, like might not make the playoffs. Like that's wild. Yeah. Well, I mean, you look at the eight this year, and let's just put Memphis in that eight spot right now. Right. New Orleans, they're going to be amazing next year. Portland, as you said, they get everyone healthy. They're going to be great next year. Golden State's going to get people back. So, like, if you think those three are going to get into the playoffs, well, that kicks three teams out, whether it's Memphis, Dallas, you know, mm-hmm. Houston, Utah. Like, the West is actually going to be insane. And it's not overly fair, and it's not as fun, because obviously I would rather watch all of those teams over, you know, Orlando, Brooklyn, Washington next year, whoever grabs the eighth seed, whether it's maybe Detroit. I don't know if Blake Griffin can can do that. But, I mean, mm. like, it, it's been an argument that's around for a while. It's nothing new. But, like, the West is just so much more fun to watch. Yeah. We're legitimately going to have, like, like five contenders. Like, five, five Western contenders. It's going to be crazy. Right, and that's just Tier 1 contenders. There's still going to be, like, three or four more behind that that, like, you can say, yeah, they can definitely make a deep playoff run. Right, like feasibly maybe right. push for like the Western Conference Finals or something. No, exactly. I mean, like the Lakers, 
I don't expect them to drop off, you know, because I just, obviously LeBron's age, but he's not going to drop off from the point where he's right now second in MVP to just garbage. The Clippers are going to be good. Houston's -hmm. Houston's always good there. OKC, depending on what they do. Yeah, Golden State. OKC, depending on what they do as far as trades. Like, if they keep everyone, they could still be good. Utah, Mm -hmm. they get everyone back. Denver, Dallas, New Orleans, Portland. Like, it, it goes down the line, and then you look at probably the worst team in the league or sorry, in the West would maybe be Minnesota, and they still have Towns and D'Lo, who I'm not saying that's going to be amazing, but that's way better than the bottom of the East. Yeah, bring them to the bring Minnesota to the East. Let's do that. They're close enough geographically. I'm down for whatever at this point because it, it's actually crazy how weak the bottom of the East is. Let's let's get Cat in the playoffs. I want to see Carl Anthony Towns have success. I'm a huge I'm a huge Carl Anthony Towns fan. Yeah, and that's why I was I, I am too, and that's why I was so upset when Jimmy went down because they were like legitimately like third or fourth in the West before Jimmy went down, and then mm. he came back just in time for that like win out game versus I believe Denver it was. That's crazy. And they got it, but obviously just they were the they got it right. They won that. I believe they won. I, th- I think they made the playoffs. I think so. What year was yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. No, they won because didn't they end up playing Houston? And uh, Houston like smoked them. I, what year was it? I, I'm I'm very confident they made it and then just got yeah absolutely walloped. But that might be it. I maybe they played Golden. I don't know. Either way, I'm pretty sure they made it. But yeah, like you said, that's not we haven't got a real look of t- at Towns in the playoffs. Uh, yeah, I'm. Th- that's a discussion for another podcast. Like, but I would love to talk about my love for Carl Anthony Towns. Well, Guys, man. Yeah, we'll we'll let you profess your love for him on another pod. Let's uh <laughs> let's move inside the real NBA bubble, the first bubble, and mm. uh why don't we take a look at some of the Instagram stories players are putting up of their great the great food they're eating. Now, I will be the first to say obviously it doesn't look that good. It doesn't look that sustainable for a professional athlete when you're asking them to practice every day, work out every day. At the same time, I am with people when they're like, "Why are you complaining? There's people who can't afford food." And I totally agree with that. Like I hundred percent like there should be no complaining about this but at the same time the pictures are kind of funny that are coming out yeah i mean so this is always interesting to me there are some times when you go on twitter and you'll see someone you'll see a picture that has like eleven thousand retweets and it's from you know some like curbside stand in north carolina and it's like oh you got to go to this place if you're ever in north carolina and it's like uh, it's like baked beans and then like pulled pork and the picture is just low quality and I'm like I'm sure that's delicious but it looks like like barf right now um, like how did this get 11,000 retweets so like, I'm always skeptical when you see that like it's like you cannot taste through a picture um, unless I don't know maybe Willy Wonka covered that I don't know Ooh, but lick your phone screen isn't that good? I feel like we have to we have to go through smell first. Like we have to be able to like smell photos or videos first before we can do the taste thing. Well, all right. Well, smell is such a huge component of taste. Like, all right. It is, so, yeah. have you ever had a so a sandwich made by someone else will almost always taste better than a sandwich you make yourself? And the reason for that is because when you you make that sandwich, you're smelling it during the process. Mm. So you don't get the full sensation the whole time. But when someone makes a sandwich and delivers it to you for the first time, you get smell and taste. And that's why it's so good. So just a little fun fact for all of our listeners out there. That's why why that tastes better. I guess that's why like eating at restaurants sometimes tastes so much better, even if it's worse quality, because you're just sitting there and all of a sudden the smell comes at you for the first time and then the food and you taste it. And it's also like, 
I mean, I don't like obviously this is an obvious thing that most people probably realize, but like when you plug, you have a plug nose or stuffed nose, you try to eat, like you can't taste anything. Like it's the worst experience right. ever. Right, exactly. So I'm going to withhold judgment um, on the food. That's that's my, my official stance is a non stance right now. But what I am going to do. All right. If you had to, so they could be, they could possibly be here for what four months. I think that's like the longest uh, that the a team could be there. Yeah, if they make the finals. If you had to pick a breakfast, lunch, and dinner meal that had to be the same for four months, what would you pick? It's so it's so difficult. I have like okay, I have one meal and it's like kind of bougie, but also really simple. I guess one part of it is pretty bougie. I like I need chicken wings in there. I think I could eat chicken wings every day. Am I a lot of different flavors? Or it's got to be the same flavor. You, it's got to be the same flavor. Okay, I'll take honey garlic though. That's that's actually still pretty easy. But I gotta get chicken wings. I gotta get my greens in, so I'm going Caesar salad. And then for my bougie part of it, I need like lobster mashed potatoes because I'm like the biggest mashed potatoes fan there is. You throw a bit of lobster in there, you know, I get a little more protein. That's that's I, that's a one for me. Now. Lobster, lobster mashed potatoes is interesting to me because I think the beauty of lobster is just the taste itself. I'm a little skeptical of combining it with something else. Like, let me get my lobster alone so I can cherish it. But I'll take your word on that. Totally will um, say I've never had lobster mashed potatoes. I just know it's on every expensive restaurant's menu. And <laughs> it sounds good because, as you said, lobster tastes good. Mashed potatoes taste good. Put them together. That's that's window shopping 101. Um I'm going with – I thought about this very like pra, like pragmatically. So for breakfast, give me eggs. Mm. You can scramble them, fry them, um, boil them, right, over easy, over medium. Give me eggs. I'm, I'll find out a way to keep it to keep it funky the whole time. Matt right? will take your eggs. And it's, it's good protein. Um, for lunch, give me a corned beef Reuben sandwich. I don't know what it is about that, like – just when you have corned beef, heat it up a little bit, put it on some rye bread, throw some sauerkraut on there, a little bit of Thousand Island dressing. Um, it's it's greasy, but it's good. And then I kind of cheated on my last one. I didn't pick one specific dish or like plate. I just put down Chinese food. Mm. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, like, come on. You have to narrow it down. You expecting a whole Chinese buffet to come into the hotel? Like I know they're having live DJ sets this weekend. I know those guys are so mad that no girls are there either. Like poolside DJ sets with just like fifth, like a hundred dudes. Like that that doesn't sound fun. It'll be cool for like ten minutes till everyone looks around and they're like, "What are we doing here?" Um, for Chinese food, I'm still gonna manipulate this. I'm gonna get like one of those platters, one of those like poo poo platters that has a little bit of everything. That way, I'm never gonna get totally bored. Like when you go to the buffet and you know you can go up multiple times, but you still just stack your plate and you have a mountain the first time you get back. And you just get the same thing. Yes, right. it, it'll it'll be something similar to that ultimately. And then every ice cream place, I mean, sorry, every Chinese place just has that cheap ice cream that you can scoop. But for some reason, after a Chinese buffet, it tastes that much better. It, yeah, it's always good, and especially when you, like, have a couple of Sprites or, like, Cokes mixed in, and you get that, like, burp going, so you can just reset and re-go. Nothing is better than a good burp. Dude, when, when, when me and one of my best friends, when we go to the buffet, uh, we put a timer on between meals. We put on a seven-minute timer where we just sit, digest, drink a Sprite, 
and then that really gets us ready for the next round. It's it's like it's a good practice in like mental health and eating. I thought you were gonna say that you guys put a timer on and see who can burp faster and like if you can beat like your time every every time you go. Listen, we're not savages. All right. We're we're gentlemen. It's pretty disgusting. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) Also, I don't know if I sit there for seven minutes, like I'm done. Like I'm out for the count. Like I already ate way too much. Like I need to get those four plates in and I need to speed eat them because once I realize I'm full, I'm too full and then I can't walk afterwards. But like if you give me it all in a row, all super quick, I'll dust them all. But I can't have time to digest because then I'll just. So you're a you're a 15 minute and under guy because it takes it takes the brain I think like 15 minutes to realize you're full. So you're just cramming. In oh, I'm going. Minutes. I'm going super super hard. I went to all you can eat sushi. I ate way too much. And also the thing about all you can eat sushi is how they charge more when you leave some stuff. That's right. And so we didn't want to get charged more. We probably had like three full plates and we were like, I'm not getting charged for three plates. So we, I ate way too much. I couldn't even walk. We went to the mall afterwards. I legit couldn't walk. Like I had to lay down on one of those massage chairs and I was sitting there for so long. I didn't even put like a, a, a quarter in or a dollar in to like run the thing. I just sat there and it, it was one of like, I, it was, I felt so bloated. It was bad. Yeah, you know you've eaten a lot when you feel sick. But the good sick, like like a happy sick. I wasn't happy. I needed to go happy. to the bathroom. I couldn't go. I was just stuffed and everything was stuck inside me forever. It's a it's a lesson learned, I guess. I will say though for breakfast, if you just give me cinnamon toast crunch every morning, I will be the happiest guy on earth. Cinnamon toast crunch, also known as CTC. Great stuff. Yeah, I uh yeah, so any girls out there, if you're listening to this and you're like, wow, I, I really want to be the one to, you know, shower him if he ever breaks his arms, bring me Cinnamon Toast Crunch, you're automatically in the running. <laughs> That's right. Listen up, ladies. He's a serial guy. Um, okay, so this this next, dude, this, this next topic is a fun one. So the other day, Zach and I were talking about how um, the bringing in less revenue might impact ownership, Right. Uh, or not impact ownership, but like owners are obviously going to bring in less money. So we were just thinking about it, and, and we were talking. If you had to buy one major franchise, like let's say you had the opportunity, right? Like let's say one of these owners was like, you know what? I'm, I just I just want to sell a team while the value's high. I don't want to go through this right now. If you had to buy one major franchise and like one small market franchise, what would you buy? Do you want to go a uh, big market first or small market? Let's do big market first. Okay. I went with the Miami Heat. I also I also didn't okay, being a Raptors fan, I didn't want to choose Toronto for either of these. So I just I left them off the board. Because obviously if I could buy the Toronto Raptors right now, I would do it just because they're my favorite team. But I left them off the board. I went with Miami. The weather is absolutely amazing. Like, who wouldn't mm-hmm. want to live in Miami? You got no state income tax, all that great stuff. I know I can trust my guys, Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra. They're, you know, probably the second best GM coach duo in the league. Non-biased behind Nick Nurse and Masai. I, I legitimately think they're the best without bias. They are. And they're, they're just always competitive because they're always a, a hotspot for, uh, for free agents. And I know I can bring guys in if they want to they come to Miami. So I, I chose the Miami Heat. And they also just have the Miami Vice jerseys are amazing. And you'll notice with my next pick, I focused a lot on uniforms. Because when I own a team, I can get a lot of jerseys jerseys in me. I want those Miami Vice uniforms. I want the light blue. I want the black. I want the pink. Just give me them all. Yeah, especially when they match it with their like court design. Mm. Um, 
I so okay, so I was gonna change mine after you said Miami because I also picked Miami, but I wanna expand upon it a little more. So what we've been seeing in the NBA more than ever, I mean it's it started with Kareem forcing his way from Milwaukee to Los Angeles, but what we've seen more uh, more than ever these past ten years is players uh, the player empowerment movement, and what that translates to is players are thinking, listen, I have one life to live. I am young. I am handsome. I am in great shape. I am wealthy. So I'm going to move to a place where I want to be, right? That's why we've seen like – and we've also seen players go um, – uh, just another variable to throw in there is like where they can also make money outside of basketball. So when you have good weather and – places that have business opportunities and where a bunch of other young, good-looking people are going, it's just, it's an inherent advantage over other markets, right? So, like, you know, obviously I'm a, I'm a Celtics fan and, like, I don't want to, um, you know, sound like I'm hyping them up right now, but, like, when you look at them taking away uh, as free agents, right, signing away Al Horford and Kemba Walker and Gordon Hayward, it makes it even more impressive because, like, Boston is cold and snowy and full of a lot of racist people and like old grumpy people who have like leathery faces and wrinkles. So what I'm saying is at the end of the day, like Miami is always going to have an advantage because it's the perfect place to go if you are rich and a celebrity and like attractive and want to make more money. So there's such an advantage to that. And they're obviously a really like well-run um, organization. Right. right. No, it's either that or LA and Miami's just way less busy than LA. Like LA is like too much. It gets to the point where like there's just there's too much going on. It's too busy. Miami obviously in no way is a small city, but you can get away get away to the beach for a while. You know, go. Uh, there's a bunch of other professional sports teams there. You know, just I, I think Miami's amazing. I, I I love Florida in general, and that's a very unpopular opinion right now with the amount of COVID cases. But we're gonna take COVID out of the situation and come. I, I'm gonna buy the Miami Heat. Will Smith made an entire song just called Miami. Like it, that's just a testament to how great Miami is. Who'd you uh, Who'd you choose for your small market team? All right, so I was a little. We might need to debate what a small market is. So I was going to say Atlanta, but I think Atlanta is a major market. Right. I like when people say small market or major market. Like I don't know. Are you talking city? Are you talking the team itself? Like I I, I right. don't know. So I I, so, I I can give you Atlanta if you want. I got it. I'm. I'm gonna I, I'm gonna end up not choosing Atlanta, but just know that they were on my list because that city is going through like a pretty cool uh, transition right now, where it's become like a huge business hub, and I think Atlanta's got good things in its future. Um, but I ended up going with the Memphis Grizzlies, and I have a plan for the Grizzlies. Um, I've never been to Memphis. I heard it's awesome. You know, obviously they have like the blues community and everything like that. Um, Elvis Presley, Dolly Parton, all that stuff. But I am not sure why that team is not in Nashville. So I'm taking the Grizzlies, okay? And we're going to Nashville where they have the Predators, where they have the Titans, where it's like the bachelorette capital of the world now. It's a really fun place. I've been there twice, and I don't like country at all. That's how great it is. But there's and a I'm lot of good-looking people. I know. You're just, you're, you want to go where there's other good-looking people. That's all I do. I just I rank cities by attractiveness, and I just and I just hang out. You just um, walk around a city. You're like, yeah, she's fine. Yeah, I'm moving here. This is yeah. I just I go there and I say, you know what? They were correct when they said Nashville is a place with good looking people. But it's got other sports teams. 
Um, it's got Vanderbilt. It's got Belmont. Like, it's an awesome place. It's a city on the rise. I, I just, I'm not sure why Memphis is not in Nashville. Um, you know, I, I, I have some, some fun Memphis Grizzlies friends on, on social media that are not going to like this take, but that's, dude, that's my take and I'm sticking with it. So very, very funny. I have an extremely similar plan. Uh, I went with the Sacramento Kings because mm-hmm. if I own the Kings two years ago, anyway, we would have Luka Doncic and Darren mm-hmm. Fox paired up, which that would be an amazing backcourt, but Anyways, yep. I want the Sacramento Kings because I want to buy some of those baby blue jerseys they have. I think they're super amazing. And then we're going to take <laughs> off once I get enough jerseys in my collection. And we're going to go to Seattle. And we're going to become the Supersonics. And I'm going to get even more nice jerseys. So that's maybe cheating. I literally just took... I could have taken any small market team and moved them to Seattle. But we've already heard rumors of Sacramento being one of the teams if they were to move. And I just love the purple. I love the baby blue. I love De'Aaron Fox. I think they actually have a very nice young core. And like I said, if, if I could go two years in the past, we would have Luca instead of Bagley. No disrespect to Bagley, Luca's just a NBA All Star by the age of like twenty one, and he could legitimately be like an eighteen time All Star. Yeah, um, God, I was leave it to the Kings to not take Luka Doncic. Um, unbelievable, but. And you know what? I understand that at the time his agent was like, oh, well, he's going to stay in Europe. You know what? Get the draft rights. Like, he was that good of a prospect that I would risk it. But um, I think you're just going for the jerseys. Like, you're Oh, just I'm totally just going for the jerseys. I That's think fair. Those light blue jerseys are one of my favorite in, like, the entire NBA. The ones that just say, like, sack across it with, like, the little lion. Yes. I love those. Even if, like, even if you don't like their jerseys right now, they at least have a color scheme that has potential right like, like you can end up you know making a good jersey uh, purple's my favorite color i love it dude i like this this worked out well i feel like we have good plans for our fake ownership yeah and they're super realistic they're super easy to to make happen uh one easy thing i will do. say actually about the 2018 draft just like a complete side note i really commend the gms for that one because I don't know if this is a real stat, but I'm going to say it's the real stat that it's the first time ever that the top five picks were all rookie first team. And if it wasn't the first time ever, it was the first time in a long, long time. So that's really good because you had Aiton, Bagley, Doncic, Jackson, and Trey mm. Young all make all rookie first team, and those were the first five picks. So That's a great stat of the day. I like that. And I don't even know if it's real, but I just know that it did happen that year, and, and it, I don't, it doesn't happen a lot if it wasn't the first time. So good Dude, fake, I'll, I'll good fake, fake stat of the day. Yeah, I'll fake news it right now and just say, yeah, it's real. Whatever. We're good with it. Uh, So what we're going to do now, something a little more fun. Well, I guess all this has kind of been fun. Something continuously fun. Uh, Matt secretly, in the comfort of his own home with his broken arm, has come up with, I think he said, (laughs) three conclusions, three possible conclusions for the season. He's going to lay them out to me. I'm going to say the likelihood. He's going to say his, you know, likelihood and Obviously, just as always, we're going to open the floor to you guys to get at us on Twitter or comment, you know, under the podcast. Let us know your likelihood, how you would rank these kind of conclusions. And yeah, I'll I'll let Matt take it away from here. All right. So I narrowed it down to three different things. And we have like a perfect scenario, a not so perfect scenario and a disaster scenario. So let me go over the perfect scenario. Then I'm going to get like your percentage chance that you think this scenario can happen. All right. So in this dream scenario... Um, the bubble works. Okay. They do, they have enough testing. The tests are good. Um, they find a way to limit everything. The players are cooperative, right? They're not sneaking in. Um, 
people they might want to sneak in. Uh, we have limited injuries from like kind of a rushed restart. We don't really have uh, so because the bubble works, we don't really have too many people catching the virus during play, right? And we end up having a competitive uh, conference finals and finals. And we, you know, maybe we end up seeing I don't know one of the LA teams versus Giannis or a Celtic team or a Raptor team, and it's good, it's competitive, everything is great. And at the end of the day, people are applauding the NBA, okay? That is scenario one. What do you think um, the percentage chance is that that scenario happens? I have to know what happens in the the Delete 8 bubble. Is that a success? The Delete Delete 8 bubble is not a success, Mm. but it's not a disaster. Okay, yeah. I don't know. I'm a lot bigger on that one. But uh, let's see. The bubble works. It's are you saying like like only a few people get infected? Or are you saying like literally no one? I'm saying a few people get infected, but like it everyone spread. recovers and people get infected, but like they spot it right away and they do the tracing and like they do a good job in terms of health, you know, everything health related there. And it's not to any, you know, big time players in big time playoff moments. Um, yes. Uh, I mean, I would love for this to happen. The likelihood, I mean, like the thing is like, I'm no COVID expert. And by the way, the information spreads about it, it seems like no one is like, it seems like things change all the time as far as like how you can contract it, you know, what you should do to prevent it, you know, and all that. Can I just give it like a solid, like 70%? Like I legitimately think from everything I've heard from epidemiologists, from players and coaches in the bubble that this is a great plan and they feel safe. But obviously, with any sort of plan, there has to be flaws. Like, nothing's 100% perfect, especially when it comes to safety and health. So I'm going to give it, like, a 73%. I'll go 73 in between 70 and 75 because I do think it is likely that this works out. But I just feel like there is there still has to be that small chance that, you know, whether it's a, a Disney worker or a package comes in, that kind of thing. So I, I actually think there's a good chance that this works, personally, because from everything I've heard, it sounds like it's it's destined to work. Okay. I'm a little more pessimistic than you. I'm going to go with like a I'm going to go with like a 57% chance. Because at the end of the day, I don't trust humans. Um I mean I trust you, but like as a general rule, I think humans te- you're, <laughs> you're welcome. I think humans tend to be like self-centered and selfish. Right. And I think there's a good chance someone makes one mistake and the bubble pops. Right. Okay. I well, I was talking to a friend the other day and sorry to cut you off, but no, go ahead. He like he was saying how like like he's not worried about the beginning. Like obviously everything's going to be right for the first, you know, few weeks, month, whatever. It's just when you get into this state of complacency and you kind of get bored and, you know, kind of tired of just following all these strict rules, you know, maybe 3 months down, that's when it starts to kind of do its thing. Because like we did see like numbers start to drop like in North America because everyone was like, "Okay, hey, let's take this serious. Let's do our thing." And then people just got tired and complacent and you know, you see clubs filling up and beaches filling up and everything, and that's like that's why the numbers are, are rising in because people just got tired of it. And like at the same time, I can't say I fully like blame people for it. It is tiring, like staying in quarantine for four months. But at the same point, like to risk like health and everyone else's health, like probably not worth it. But yeah, I I, I get I get why you're definitely pessimistic about it because all it takes is one person to screw it up and one person to potentially you know get the virus and then it. Apparently, like, it just spreads like a wildfire. Yeah, and, and there's kind of like a different aspect about the bubble. So 
when we think of the bubble, we think of like a like physical protection, right? Like I envision, you know, like um like Sandy's house and SpongeBob, where she has like, you know, that's like what I envision as the bubble, and that's for her physical safety. But I do think there's a mental effect of being in a bubble as well, where you forget, you know, if it's successful, you might start taking just just like you said, you might start taking this a little less seriously, um, let your guard down and take more risks. So I don't know. We'll we'll see. Second scenario, okay. Uh, in my creative mind, I just labeled this the not perfect scenario. So what happens is the virus is spreading a little bit more, right? Um, some stars get COVID. We have multiple injuries from players who might feel like they were rushed back and not in game shape. Um, we have like a weird conference finals or, or finals round where one team might you know, be missing a major star. Like imagine if um, – imagine if – Milwaukee went to the finals but was missing like Middleton and they ended up playing like a Clippers team that was at full strength or close to it right so we might have like a weird a weird finals where everyone's now after saying okay how do we debate this is it do we put an asterisk on it we have some news stories come out about maybe a couple players who left the bubble found a way to get out and maybe they brought the virus back in so that's my not perfect scenario what percentage chance do you give on that yeah i uh i guess i think that's probably what will happen and like obviously like not every single aspect like who knows maybe it won't be a star that gets in the conference finals but i definitely think there's a chance where you know guys find a way to sneak out and they do and players are rushed back from injury because we do have to remember it's not just the virus that you know we're worried about for their health and safety it's the fact that these guys have been out for four months and within the span of eight games you know they're expected to not only get back into shape but play to win and also ramp up for the most intense games of, you know, the year, the playoffs. So, like, injuries are definitely potential. And I, I, I hate speaking things like that into existence because I believe in the power of words and I don't want to put that in the atmosphere. But, like, I, 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 it's a real thing. And maybe I'd give that, like, an 85, 87%. Like, I, I, I think, like, stuff will happen because, as you said, people are human. It, all it takes is one idiot to just sneak out at night and go go to a club or whatever and... I just, when you have, what is it, like a few hundred people together, like the odds that not one person does it are pretty low. Right. Um, man, what, I'm trying to think of what percentage chance I'd give this. What, what did you, did you put a number on it? I think I went like 87 cause I was between 85 and 90. So I'll go 87.5, me in the middle. I'm going to play the prices right game and I'm going to go, you went with 87.5. I'm going to go with 87.6. A dollar. I'm I'm just going, I'm going with just a little bit higher of a percentage chance. Um, that person I don't know. that person pisses me off in that show. Like I get it's a strategy, but guess the right. price, okay? Stop. Like no, no one cares to hear your dollar bet because you think everyone went over. If you think everyone went over, you clearly have a price in your mind and say that, okay? I don't care if it, it's risky. Just say it. I don't care about strategy. It would be more impressive if you did that. Like you're you're yeah. on the show, you're on the show not to show off. Your strategy, you're on a show because you know the pr like what price is right. Yeah, and saying that, I would totally be the dollar person because I would yeah, not want to sure. miss my chance. But when when others when other people do it, screw you. Like I don't want to watch that. Right, and there you know there's an advantage to when you when you go when you don't go. But I don't know, a great show to watch when like you're sick, uh, staying home from school. Yeah, it seemed like it was always on, like always well, throughout is, the whole day. It, that show's never gonna die. Um, Last scenario. This is just the disaster scenario, okay? 
So COVID spreads. Like it's it's like alarming. It's concerning. It's a danger. Um, not that it's not right now, but so and you know the players are in jeopardy, right? Like if you have you know seven players on a team get it, you know that is concerning. Um, the NBA doesn't shut it down, and they bring in they do some wonky thing where they're bringing in tons of replacement players now because they need a product and they can't lose out on the money. Major stars are out. Okay. Um, and now on our talk shows and just among the populace, people are talking, okay, should we shut it down? Should we not shut it down? Right. Um, so just imagine everything that could go wrong goes wrong. Okay. What percentage chance would you give that? Uh, maybe this is like the hopeful side of me thinking a bit too, but I, I think this is, I think it's like super low. Like I think it's like 20%, 15%. And I think it's a super low chance that COVID absolutely breaks on the bubble and catches everyone in the first place. But for the fact that that to happen and the NBA not to do anything about it, like from everything I've heard, this is a safe plan. And, you know, it seems like as soon as one person contracts it, like you're isolated for 14 days. Like there's no, there's no accept or exceptions uh so I, I give this a really really low like 20 50 percent but at the same time maybe it's also just the hopeful side of me being like no please don't happen please don't happen i'm giving this 33 percent. i think i don't know man I, I just we don't know about this virus and there are so many scenarios like all it takes is what if the test was wrong Right. Or what if like, uh, yeah, what if, what if a test, what if a test was just read wrong? Like Pete, like there's so much human error. I don't know. I give it, I think there's a 33.333% chance that this well, happens. Yeah. I mean like false negative and like a test negative mm. player actually has it. It spreads or even just like a false positive and like, like a bunch of players get false positives and there's like eight players who don't actually have it, but they're out. And then maybe that that mm -hmm. alarms things and they start to shut it down and that ruins that team's chances completely because these eight players who don't actually have it got tested false positive. Uh, I have heard that apparently like the testing is more secure and they'll they'll look for like three positive tests in a row for it mm -hmm. to uh, for them to you know isolate a guy. Which I think if you're doing three tests like and you have to get three in a row, like maybe that like the chance of a false positive. Well, not maybe, but the chance of a false positive are way less likely. But mm -hmm. yeah, I just. I don't know. I, I can't see this this thing just not working completely and being an absolute disaster. That's just in my opinion. Yeah, I, I, I do think it'll be some you know, something of a success, but I just I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. Personally. Yeah, and I mean it's fair, like we have no idea what's going on with this virus and I feel like mm -hmm. every time I listen to a new show or an, a new like a new news thing, I read something, it's completely different from the last thing I read, so I'm staying out of it in saying that I know anything about COVID because I don't. Me too. Yeah, I, I know nothing. Uh, I know literally nothing about it. Yeah, I just know that I'll wash my hands and I'll stay safe and hopefully keep everyone Wear else a safe mask. around me. That's right. Now let's move on to everyone's favorite segment because this is only the first episode and it's everyone's favorite segment already. It's uh, Guess the Player. So... What I did was I came up with eight clues. I won't reveal them all at once. I'll kind of reveal like three at a time. If you can't get it, I'll another one and that so on. And basically, I have the player. I have eight clues. Matt's going to have to guess who the player is. I think it should be fun. Um, you have, you have any, any questions, any concerns, you know? 
I'm nervous, man. I'm a little nervous, but I'm ready to I'm ready to dive into it. Yeah, like the pressure's all on you. Like I can't look stupid in this. Like there could be people who I say like the first two clues and they're like, bam, I got it. How are you not getting this? And you know, so all the pressure's on you. We should rename this make Matt look stupid. But what about when I, I gotta do is gonna then it's just make make Zach look stupid? Or maybe yeah, so- I get it every time and it still makes you look stupid. Yeah, well, that's that is a scenario. <laughs> I didn't think of that. We'll we'll just rename it. Make blank look stupid. All right, now it's time for everyone's favorite segment. Make blank look stupid. That's uh, right. So the first three clues. If you get it off these first three clues, um, you you have to know this one thing about this person. It's just like a little fun fact. I didn't know it about him. Uh, the first clue. It is a current player. Maybe that's cheating. Maybe that's not. But that's just my first clue. So it's a current okay. player. This person has a background in American Sign Language. So they know American Sign Language. Mm. I don't know. I didn't know this about him. Do you know any player? So you don't know. You still don't have a clue? I, uh, not, th- there were no bells that rang. I don't, I have no clue right now. I just feel like that's one thing that if like you're a fan of this player or, or like you just know it, like that's just a fun fact that you would know. You, so, right. I, I don't. Um, and then the third one, another just kind of fun fact, is that he grew his love for basketball watching Space Jam. Like, that's where he just, like, that's where he 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 fell in love with the game. It was like, yeah, I, I like basketball. Okay, so... Three very, very, very hard clues. I, like I said, they start hard, they get easier, but those are three very hard ones. I'd be surprised if you got it. So if he developed his love for the game watching Space Jam, I'm saying that... This player, well, you can watch Space Jam at any age. Okay. Like you don't have to have fallen in love watching it in theaters. You could have watched it when it went on demand. Okay, so I was gonna try and do like a little like age analysis, but I do think it's gonna be someone. Is it someone under thirty? Are, are am I am I allowed to answer or? I don't know. It's your game, man. It's make Matt look stupid, so you don't have to. Um. Uh, under 30 that's still not that hard that still leaves a lot of people so i'll say yeah it is he is under 30 okay so i'm i'm crushing it right now all right next next hints this one still won't give it away exactly unless you know these numbers to a t but it should be able to narrow it down from the season 2017 to 2018 to Mm -hmm. this season he increased his points per game by 8.8 so within two seasons he went up essentially nine points per game okay uh, I want to guess, but I don't want to be wrong. Give me one more hint. Okay, so these next hints are when it really starts to reveal who it is. Um, okay, well, let me guess, let me guess. Let okay, me guess. I'll let you guess. Pascal Siakam. No, I'm sorry. <sighs> a good guess, though, but guess. I think he's literally went up like 8.8 from one season to the other, and then from that season to this season. Like, not even the span of two seasons. I don't know, could be wrong. He's, 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 his, uh, his improvement story has been amazing. Uh, okay. This next clue, I don't want to say it'll give it away, but you should have a strong idea. He recorded a 41 and a half inch vertical at the combine. Zach Levine. That's it. You got it. Let's go. You got it. I didn't want to go with someone too obscure to start for the first episode. Um, and then my, my next clue is where he's the second youngest player to win a dunk contest only behind his idol, Kobe. He won two dunk contests, and he's played for two NBA teams in his career. So that was very good. You got it halfway through. Just know that like, when it's my turn, I'm going to pick someone who is like rotting at the end of a bench, I know the most are. obscure You're going to choose Jamal Crawford. 
I'm 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 gonna pick Jamal Crawford. You guessed it. You already guessed it. Uh, that's fine. No, that was good. Um, yeah, I'm excited for uh, I'm excited for my guess, even though uh, by the sounds of it, it won't be fun and it'll be make Zach look stupid. Uh, yeah. Let's go on. Let's finish the show. Uh, your website, the Playgrounder, theplaygrounder.com. Everyone should go check it out if they haven't. They got awesome content. You've been doing a lot of rookie reviews. So essentially, the mm-hmm. the NBA rookies from this season, you've been kind of reviewing their games and the seasons they've had, and you know some kind of intricacies. And you put videos, and you and the other guys who write. I mean, you can shout them out. I don't know their names, but you guys do uh, rookie they, reviews. Yeah. So. Uh, it's me um, and my my cousin Nick Faggio and uh, Jesse Cinquini, who is really they're all really good and, and Jesse might have some bigger things in the works, um, which is cool for which is great for him. But yeah, so we're doing some rookie reviews. Um, I you know last year's draft was probably the one that I went the deepest in on, um, so I was excited to like follow up on these players and uh, we're gonna have more coming out, but we're gonna try and cover as literally as many rookies as we can. Mm-hmm. Um, the one I want to focus on today, though, is Michael Porter Jr. Zach, what are your thoughts on MPJ? Uh, he, I mean, he's a fun one, and we wanted to do a guy that was on a contender because, you know, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know if anyone really cares to talk about, you know, the Chicago Bulls, even though Kobe White's great, or, you know, the New York Knicks, even though R.J. Barrett is kind of great. Uh, yeah. But Michael Porter Jr., I mean, obviously, like, the, literally the top prospect out of high school in, like, 2017, I believe it was, like, he was... He was going number one overall. It was him, and then once Bagley reclassified, it was uh, it was Bagley. Um, so he, I believe he went to Nathan Hale. He absolutely dominated the scene, committed to Washington, and then moved to Missouri once his dad became the assistant, I believe. Um, and then obviously didn't do much in Missouri because of the injury and kind of rushed back for a, a March Madness game that definitely wasn't at his peak because he just kind of rushed back. But... I really like his game, and you know I think he could be the steal of the draft because he went, what was it, like 14, 15? I should have done more research on this. But he went around there, and he's got like a really smooth, fluid game. And when you kind of look it up, all people had to say about him, he's like, yeah, he's like a Kevin Durant. And I hate comparing people to NBA All-Stars just because I don't think it's fair to the All-Star, and I don't think it's fair to the rookie. Being like, yeah, you know, he could be like a Kawhi Leonard. Like, that's just, that's not fair to me, but... I mean, he can literally do everything offensively. It's just all kind of raw right now, you know? He, he has a bit of a handle. He's like 6'10". He can shoot. He can finish. Not the most athletic guy, but I, I still like his game. Defensively, he could grow a bit, but once again, a rookie who's only played 48 games this year, I, I definitely like him. That's like a very broad kind of understanding of what I think of him. Okay. Let me try. So there are things about Michael Porter Jr. that I like. So but before I try and sell you... Uh, before I try and get you to sell all your shares, all your stock of Michael Porter Jr., let me tell you what he does well. Um, he really does have a feathery shooting touch. Like, he is a good shooter, um, and, and he has the potential to be a great shooter. Uh, he is this high release that is just unstoppable, and he's he's six foot ten. He has the same standing reach as Anthony Davis. Um, you're not gonna be able to stop his jump shot. It just it's it's you can't block it. So and it's nice. He's a good touch. Um, he can be a grab and go guy. Like he has the height and athleticism to get rebounds and just take off down the floor. Um, defensively, he has potential because he does have some athleticism and he has size, right? So like there's potential for him to one day down the line play small ball five minutes or at least those like very switchy power forward minutes, kind of like Jason Tatum. Um, so there's some good things about him. Let me talk you out of him. Okay. 
he is he has back problems a lot of 18 19 yeah 18 19 20 year old guys should not be having back problems so that is that's a huge red flag to me um he also he actually thinks from well from everything that we've heard like in in interviews that we've seen from him um you know the pre-draft process he legitimately believes he is as good as Kevin Durant and Tracy McGrady. Like those are players that he compares himself to and thinks he's as good as them. And he wants to style his game after them. Um, so, you know, we have this guy who has back issues who, and who wants to play in terms of skill, like a, a, a style that takes the most talent to get to that. That is the hardest level to reach. Um, he also, in my opinion, does not have good feel for the game. So, Here's and I could talk, you know, when, when if if you were to go visit my article, you you know you'll see different clips of it of where he's just doesn't pick his head up when he dribbles, where he misses open men, where he sees open players, doesn't pass to them, commits a foul, and then apologizes. Like, dude, just just make the right play. But here's one play that always sticks out to me on Michael Porter Jr. It's it's when he was playing at Missouri. So one of his teammates had the ball on the block, and um, he was posting up. So like his teammate is posting up on the block. And he's going to do, I don't know, a uh, hook shot, whatever. And Michael Porter Jr. post up right next to him. And it, it's so bizarre that it's hard to, like, explain over, like, you have to watch it. But, you know, imagine, like, you know, you're watching Shaq post up in the paint. And then, like, you know, someone just goes right next to Shaq. And Shaq's like, what the hell are you doing? Like, I'm like I'm here, right? I'm here to do so, work. Yes, exactly. So I'm really concerned about his feel for the game. Um, but he does have skill. So that that's my pitch to sell you out of him. Um, let me bring you back in, though, okay? And this is what we discussed in the article. Well, let me ask you a question. If you were the Denver Nuggets, would you want him to develop in the mold of you – know, obviously, I'm not saying he can become uh, Kevin Durant, but like, would you want him to develop in that style where he can be like a shot-creating closer or – would you want him to maximize his skill set now and become like a taller, more athletic version of Danilo Gallinari, right? If you had to pick a path for him to practice and go down, what would you pick? Yeah, so I kind of had my own player comparison for him. We can get into that later, or I can share now, whatever you want. Um, Yeah. And that's the thing where we get back to, like, I don't know, like, it's not realistic to compare a guy and say, I want you to take the trajectory of Kevin Durant. Right. And I mean, like, Daniil Gallinari is a great shot creator in himself. He just obviously can't right. do it at the same level as KD. And I think, in a way, those two play similarly. KD's just obviously a lot better. Um, but I think I think I would still try to develop him. But I, by the time next year comes, he's going to have to play big minutes. So I think maybe you do just try to get him to maximize his skill set, not let him do too much. Because at the same time, you still have Jokic, who's a very young guy and will be your number mm-hmm. one player for a while. And so I don't think you need Michael Porter Jr. to be a guy who can create like 20 plus shots a game because you have guys like Jokic and guys like Murray who are very capable in themselves. And I think he can just, you know, is fine being a secondary creator. And then as he continues to grow as a secondary creator and can become a, a number one guy. So I guess it's just a long answer to say probably, I guess, more like Danilo, like don't put the pressure and expectation of him becoming that number one shot creator and that guy. Because at the same time, you don't want to take the ball out of Jokic's hands as much as you would need to if you want Michael Porter Jr. to become that primary shot creator for you. Yeah, so I agree with you, you know, but the dangerous thing about Michael Porter Jr. is that we've seen him, his mentality is score first, which can be fine in the NBA, but 
sometimes it's to the it's actually frequently it's to like the detriment of his teammates. Um, he that team has such a great distributor in Jokic that if I was Denver, I would want to maximize what MPJ is good at while minimizing what he's bad at, mm-hmm. which is his feel for the game and like finding other teammates. So I'm trying to think of a good a good player I'd have him mo- like kind of model his career after, but like even somebody like. Otto Porter Jr., who had a, some really good years in Washington as like a catch and shoot three point player who played really good defense, and we actually saw um, when he first got traded to Chicago, he actually could like run a little pick and roll when he needed to. He has like kind of an, an underlying skill set. That's someone who I would say, listen, like if I was um, the executives in Denver, um, that's the development path I would want him to go down. So. To me, you know, when we did our review of him, obviously there's a lot of things to like. There are some things that are kind of disconcerting. It just it the, the most interesting part uh, to watch will be how Denver, you know, kind of charts out a path for him to go down, right? Mm-hmm. And if he's going to agree with that path, if he's going to want to do something different, or he's going to, you know, become the player they want him to be. But um, all in all, he is one of the most intriguing players to monitor in the in the next couple seasons. Yeah, and I, I really like the Danilo Gallinari comparison because it's it's very very similar. A guy who who can mm-hmm. score at all kind of levels, but do it without supreme athleticism and still have that height. Uh, when I was trying to think of a player comparison, I didn't want to you know steal yours and just you know ride that ride your coattail. And like I said, I right. I didn't want to choose a guy like Katie or Paul George. Uh, so I went with a bit of a taller version of Joe Johnson, mm-hmm. uh, a guy who definitely didn't use his athleticism to score, but could definitely create his own shot within the mid-range and shoot threes. Um, you know, I mean, I, I think Michael Porter Jr. can become really solid defensively because he has the length and he has, you know, even though he's not crazy athletic, he still is definitely mobile and, and athletic for a guy who's 6'10". But I, I think kind of a Joe Johnson career path, and that's kind of literally the opposite of what you're saying. His nickname was literally Iso Joe. And, you know, <laughs> if, if you're wanting him to grow in the sense of, you know, being that secondary option to Jokic, then it's probably not the best career path. And, yeah, maybe I'm not necessarily saying it's a best career path, but that's just kind of where I see him heading towards. Yeah, well, and and that's the biggest difference. It's what he himself will want to become, and if that does not mesh with what Tim Connolly and the other people in Denver want him to become. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see if everyone's on the same page or not. Um, and I, I, I do want to predict that that will be something to watch as he progresses further into his rookie uh, his rookie deal. Um, but yeah, so that's my rundown on Michael Porter Jr. No, that was fun, and this whole podcast was fun, and you know, I like definitely doing these rookie reviews, and you know, eventually, in like two weeks or so, we're going to have actual games to talk about, so who would have guessed? That'll be, uh, that'll be really fun. Um, Matt, you want to shout out anything before we get going? Um... This was fun, man. So obviously give Zach a follow if you don't follow him already. Um, visit theplaygrounder.com. We have a lot of good content coming out, um, a lot of good rookie reviews that have just, I don't know, easy to read. We're trying to make blogging like fun again, like right with a little bit of humor. And um, the videos are, are pretty cool as well. We do some special stuff where we're like spotlighting players within the video and, and zooming in and, and kind of breaking things down. So uh, check it out if you get a chance. And uh, thank you for stopping by. This was fun. Yeah, hit us both up on Twitter. Uh, Let us know any feedback you have, whether it's uh, constructive, positive, negative. We'll take it all into account. Uh, As we said, let us know who you would want to to bathe and shower you and wipe your ass. That's something that we're very very interested in knowing. Um, Matt, thanks so much. I'm excited to do this again. Yeah, Zach, let's do it again soon. 
stayed up till the morning Talking till the first light of dawn 